the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's move into the Friday edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. Good to have you here. I'm live from Cabot this morning. Hope that uh, your day will be a good one. Looks like we might get a little bit of rain, and then it's going to clear out, and we'll have a fairly nice uh, weekend in front of us. So I'm looking forward to that. Hope you are as well. Uh, I've got uh, Robert coming on with us, Robert Steinbach, who is a professor of law over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His uh, opinions are his and his alone. And uh, he and I and Chris Corbett will talk about what's been going on with the uh, the session because there's been a lot of different things being looked at. Uh, I want to talk with them some about the interview that uh, the governor had with Roby Brock. So we'll have to see uh, how things are, uh, what they think of that as well, the the uh, governor had some interesting things to, to say in that interview, two very interesting things, and we'll talk talk about that here in just a moment. We're looking at about seven minutes after six right now on uh, a pretty, uh, you know, cool morning. We're starting off the, again in the, the 40s uh, that we have, we have done uh, today. I'm sorry about that. I had to lean over my my clock and went to sleep, and I had to wake it up. Everybody on a Friday and a Monday typically uh, want to go back to bed. So let's say uh, see if uh, if Robert's there or Chris is there. Either one of you joined me yet? I'm here, my friend. All right. I thought you'd be here because I got that that uh, text from you saying "wakey, wakey." So uh, I was already awake and. Trying to get things uh, set up here, ready to go. Had a little bit of an equipment uh, problem today, so we're using some other equipment this morning so that we can we can uh, get the the show going. So as you've gotcha. watched the session, now we're moving into the, uh, is next week going to be the final week. Is that kind of what you're yes. saying? Yes, my understanding okay, so. is Tuesday is the last day. In fact, wow. Okay, yeah. so so. Your thoughts? I, you know, I thought that it's been a fair session uh, as far as um, some of the bills that have passed. There are some bills that did not pass that I was, I wasn't, um, you know, I was upset about. They should have passed. Right. Uh, and I agree with what you're saying. We need, we need some more conservatives uh, in in the in the House and in the Senate. Um, I mean, there's a couple of people that are there that really need to 
you know, be questioned by their constituents in the way that they voted. And in some cases didn't vote at all, which is a no vote. That's that's everybody has to understand that if a if a elected official it comes up on the floor, whether it be the House or the Senate, and they decide not to vote, that's a no vote. That's as if you reached up and pressed a button for no. So, uh, and let me emphasize that. that point, Dave, if I may, meaning sure. this is not a, a theoretical point that Dave is making, like, well, if you don't vote, that's morally the equivalent. No, 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 no. Mathematically, in Arkansas, unlike many jurisdictions, they the vote counts as follows. Let's say there are indeed 100 members in the House. It takes 51 to pass a bill, no matter how many show up, no matter how many flip a trigger, you know, of yes or no. Yeah. So if it takes 51 yeses. So if you don't show up, that's not a yes. It's a no. If you're there, but you don't click yes, that's a no. It literally counts mathematically in Arkansas identically. You can vote no. You can vote present. I'm not exactly sure what it means because that ain't no present to Arkansans. Uh, Or you can simply not vote. They all literally count on the tally sheet as a no. So if you're a coward and you don't vote, you've done the same thing as literally clicking no. That's correct. Everybody mm-hmm. must understand that. I, I don't deny that. We have to understand. Now, present, I don't know exactly how that works. I don't know if that's like uh, a no vote as well. It is. It just means. It is. Uh, oh, it does. It is. Okay, so yes. I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in my seat, but I've decided that I won't vote, which is a vote no matter what. Correct. And you and other than there is this new category uh, called excused. It doesn't change the vote totals, but in certain circumstances, you have a death in the family, that kind of thing. Uh, It's used to demonstrate that the failure of the legislator to vote, meaning the fact that he effectively produced a no, is a byproduct of some other significant life event. Uh, And we uh, understand that. But other than that, The job of a legislator is to vote, and he can do it in the following ways. He can click yes, or anything else that he does, or she, is a no. And there's Mm -hmm. no mathematical difference between a no, a so-called present vote, which I truly don't understand, uh, and simply not voting. They all count as no votes. So is that that just a... uh... Um, a, a way that Arkansas does things is it easy to rectify that situation? Maybe go in and say, "Look, if you vote uh, present, you vote. Uh, you don't vote. It, uh, and you know, you're sitting there in your seat or whatever. Uh, instead of, you know, fifty plus one, we need forty nine plus one or something like that." Well, what you would do is the way some bodies do it, uh, in governmental bodies and private bodies, is you require what's called a quorum, which basically means at least effectively means at least half the members of the governing body need to show up. Right. So you can't have just one right, person show right. up and then call a meeting. So half the people show up and then you have a rule that the majority of those who are there have to vote 
um, um, yes. Uh, and so then uh, if you don't vote or you vote present, well, I'm not sure about the president. Let's put that aside for a moment. But if you don't vote, you're effectively not there. It's a majority of those who are voting. And that's another okay. method, and that exists in many jurisdictions as well. There's nothing sort of um, inappropriate about Arkansas's method. It is one of the methods that governing bodies use to have voting. And it is a method that requires more active legislators for us to pass something. And remember, as conservatives, we don't like too many laws. So it's not that it's necessarily a bad thing. It, 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 here's what it does, Dave. It's much like the uh, filibuster in the U.S. Senate. Effectively, it means you need more impetus to pass a bill and you can have a minority uh, kill a bill. Well, sometimes it's good when Republicans are in the minority. It's not so good when Republicans are in the majority. But as we've seen at the federal level, most Republicans don't want to do away with the filibuster when they're in the majority or the minority because they understand these things can change. So I'm not saying we necessarily have to change the Arkansas system. What we really need to do in Arkansas is get rid of the phony conservatives, the People who are elected as Republicans, but they're a bunch of establishment hacks. They are a bunch of people who's, who represent not the people, but some sort of swamp-like, to borrow a, an apt Trump term, swamp-like swamp entrenched bureaucracy or big business to the uh, and I have nothing against big business, but I'm, I don't favor them over the people. They have equal no. footing to the people. Uh, bureaucracy has lower footing. Why? Because bureaucracy works for the people. And so when you see, for example, the Dave Ellswick free speech bill part two, that Dan Sullivan ran this term and he couldn't get it out of Senate um, Education Committee. Why? I'll tell you why. Three reasons. Uh, Jane Sturch, Jane English, and Eads. I forget Eads first name. Do you recall Eads first name? I don't remember. I don't remember his first so name. I, I don't even think he's ever he's ever appeared on my show. Well, you don't ha generally have uh, leftists masquerading as conservatives on your show. So the, <laughs> well, the three leftists masquerading as conservatives are uh, James Sturch, who you pointed out primaried uh, Linda Collins Smith, uh, only to turn out himself to be a closeted liberal who's shilling for big university, um, for uh, established cronyism, for the bureaucracy. So, uh, and the, gov and the governor, want... let's be honest, for the governor well, as well. The governor got behind his, uh, his uh, primary. That, there you go. There you go. Well, uh, l let me tell you this. Uh, we'll see what happens in the next election, uh, because the governor got behind uh, um, Cooper in the race against Dan Sullivan. And we see we saw the result of that election. Now, we know who Dave Ellswick got behind. We know who Rob Steinbuck got behind. And most importantly, we know who the people of Jonesboro got behind. And that was Dan Sullivan. And that is Dan Sullivan. Uh, and so. Uh, we are going to work uh, very hard. We're going to work with our good friends uh, at um, um, 
why am I drawing a blank, uh, Dave? Help me out. Brendan and Joe at Conduit. Sorry. Our good friends, Brendan and Joe at Conduit. Because you know what Conduit does? They go around in in a Republican state and they say, okay, you know, we're not so worried about the Democrats getting elected. There are a few districts that they've got locked up due to gerrymandering. But for the most part, we've got Republican districts. So within those districts, we've got to make sure that it's not a phony Republican. It's a conservative. And so I'm working with Conduit uh, to make sure that in the next election, uh, every candidate to the to the best possible uh, opportunity uh, is a conservative. And how do we do that? We primary all the phony conservatives. Who are the phony conservatives? I just named three. And who's the biggest among yeah. them? James Sturch. So James Sturch, phony conservative. He's out as far as I'm concerned. Now, I can't tell you that he will be out. Because I don't vote up there uh, in the north part of Arkansas, but I can tell you, I'll work with the great folks at Conduit. I'll work with the great folks at many organizations, to be clear, uh, uh, to say, look, uh, you need to understand how your candidate is voting. Because one of the problems that we see in elections is it takes a lot of effort to figure out how your candidates are voting. And the way we alleviate that chore upon uh, the citizenry is we have scorecards. And who puts out a good scorecard? Conduit does. Are they the only one? No, there are a bunch of good ones. You know who else puts out a good scorecard? NRA. So you got to follow the scorecards from the organizations that you respect. I'm not interested in the ACLU scorecard. Or, or in fact, if the ACLU scores you high, uh, maybe I score you low. Don't get me wrong. Let me be fair. Some issues ACLU is actually right on. They're actually right on some, some free speech issues. So that's good. That's why we need to pay attention to these things. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. That's all right. Let's go ahead and get a break in, and then we'll come back and we'll discuss discuss this some more. Of course, Family Council, they also have a scorecard. And uh, I know that Elizabeth Sotolaro has been keeping a scorecard for us. Uh, We will get that out to our listeners as fast as we can for the Dave Ellsworth Show. All right, 20 minutes after 6, let's take a fast break, and then we'll be back with more. Robert Steinbeck is uh, with us. We're hoping that uh, Chris Corbett will be joining us. He had told me yesterday he'd be here, so I expect that uh, once he wipes the sleep out of his eyes and has a cup of coffee, he'll chime in. we got more coming your way right here on The Answer. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellsworth Show. Glad you're with us. Robert Steinbach is with us. He is, of course, a law professor at the Bowen School of Law, and uh, his opinions are his and his alone and uh, not necessarily those of the school of law or the university to which it is attached, although they should be. Uh, With that said, let's move on. We were mentioning uh, James Sturch, and uh, we were talking about some other folks that have not been voting um, uh, a conservative way, uh, English, though I will tell you, uh, you know, I think with Jan English, she votes 90% conservative. It's when you get to those really important votes that you just get kind of, you get nervous because you don't know exactly which way she's going to go. You should, you should be able to say, well, the conservative vote would be this and know that she's going to vote that way, but not so much, uh, over the last few years. In fact, uh, that changed in the last term of BB uh, when she voted for, um, you know, in continuing 
with the health care system that we have here in the state. She could have voted against it and did not. Uh, from what I understood, she was offered, uh, you know, the ability to uh, get some money and, and to get some the more uh, power uh, in on the education side. And that's where she's landing on uh, some of this other stuff that we're, we're hearing about now that she's voting against. So uh, I'll try to get Jane on the show and talk to her about why uh, she's voting so often with the uh, the powerful and, uh, and and not trying to break up some of that power because some of that power needs to be broke up. Somebody else who's been very uh, a person who's been, I, I believe, uh, we sit here and, and we talk about these people who are not holding to the conservative values. Hawk up there by Conway is a person who's not showing um, his resolve on conservative causes. Um, I, I forget what bill it was in the last session that he voted against. And he said, well, I had to uh, because um, uh, my sister-in-law, and this would impact my sister-in-law. And I was thinking, dude, you vote for the state. You vote for your constituents in your district. You're not voting for your sister. Well, you are in a way, but, you, you know, if she's in your district. One amongst yeah, it's one amongst everybody else. And, and it, you know, I think that he's somebody who has to be looked at as well. I know that there's there's um, uh, some different uh, uh, web uh, folks uh, that report the news over there in Faulkner County. And his name has been mentioned as somebody that that uh, we need to, to move out. Now, he's he's thinking about running for Senate, I understand, too. And he he hasn't said whether he's going to run for re-election in the House or if he's going to try to go over and get Jason Rapert's position, because we know Jason Rapert is going to be uh, moving out of his. He's going to be uh, tapped out. And uh, he just uh, reported, I, I don't know if you saw his release, about the money that he's raised as far for his his run for lieutenant governor. So he's going to be running for lieutenant governor. We know that for a fact. And we're going to miss or miss a very strong ally for the most part in Rapert. Now, let's let's be honest as we're talking here. Rapert at, at times has moved away from, you know, a 100 uh, percent conservative vote. He's he is um, when it comes to, you know, insurance here in the state uh, did not fight against uh, state, you know, controlled health insurance as much as I thought he should. But that's the only thing that I really have been um, at at loggerheads with him. And I, as I always say, I don't expect every elected official to vote exactly how I would vote. And I think you probably feel the same way, Rob. Dave, you raise such an important point, and I want to emphasize and expand upon it, if I may. And that is, as you know, I've endorsed Jason uh, Rapert to be the lieutenant governor. Does that mean I agree 100 percent with him? Uh, I know I don't, simply because I know I don't agree 100 percent with anybody, and I don't agree 100 percent with myself of yesterday, because my positions are are nuanced, and they can uh, evolve uh, somewhat marginally, mind you, um, over time. So, 
uh, I don't expect 100% agreement. What I expect, what I demand of my elected officials is two things. One, a commitment to conservative values. So if you vote a way that I think is wrong, you've got to explain to me. Now, you don't have to do anything, but I'll vote against you if you don't. You've got to explain to me why what you did is conservative. And so I don't know his vote on this insurance matter, but I bet you Jason could say, "Okay, well, I look at it from this perspective, uh, this conservative perspective, and that's why I come out this way. And your response would be, well, I think that's the wrong analysis, but I see that you're coming to it, at least from a conservative perspective. So that's job one. Mm -hmm. Then job two is you got to show up and vote. So we've just mentioned a bunch of folks who don't vote. Well, if you're not voting, you're not doing your job. I don't need. Oh, yeah, he's a great. Key. He's a great. Sorry, go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's the key with Hall. There were so many times that he right. did not vote. And you're not doing your job. You know, tell me somebody. Oh, well, so and so is a great auto mechanic. Oh, can can I get him to look at my car? Uh, not for two years. Well, then he's not a great auto mechanic for me. Oh, so and so is a great conservative. Does he come and vote in the legislature? Well, no, not really. Well, then he ain't a good conservative to me. And so. Absolutely. Uh, Sometimes you hear these criticisms uh, of various groups. Well, they're attacking conservatives. Well, it depends what they're doing. If all they do is have to say negative things, then they're no good. Need you to keep keep your thoughts. We'll come back and pick them up here in just a moment. News is coming up. We've already got through the first half hour of our Friday show. We'll continue talking about this here in just a moment. All right, back with you. Uh, Robert Steinbach is with us. We've uh, sent a couple of messages out to Chris to see where he might be. Uh, he has a propensity sometimes to oversleep on Fridays, but uh, we'll get him on before the end of the show. Uh, Robert will be with me until uh, 7.30. At 7.35, Matt Smith is going to join me. He's up in Branson, so uh, hopefully he'll wake up and, <laughs> and be part of the show uh, with us today. Uh, we'll, we'll have a special opening uh, at 635 because today is a special uh, day as far as movies are concerned. And uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that at 735. But right now, let's get back with Robert and, and talk a, a little bit more. I sent him that article uh, that Roby Barak, he had a, a sit down with the governor kind of an interesting article in that in the very first uh, paragraph, it says the governor has not declared that he's running for president yet. Well, I didn't know that he was even thinking of running for president until I saw that article. And I guess I should try to get Roby on and, and see if that's just his political intuitiveness uh, speaking, or if the governor and spoke about perhaps, you know, going after the highest office in, in, in the land. I personally think amongst uh, red meat uh, Republicans, and when I say red meat Republicans, I'm talking about conservative uh, Republicans, he would have a long climb up a ladder uh, to, to grab their uh, backing. I don't know if what he's thinking is that he does not think that Donald Trump will declare again to run for president, though I'm seeing uh, stories in the news. Uh, I've listened to the interviews that he has given 
the president, former president, that is, uh, to Hannity and others. And it sounds like to me he's already starting to gear up. Uh, I mean, the big thing that he wants everybody to know is that you got to get out and get good candidates into, uh, you know, the House and into the Senate so that uh, we can get the uh, House back, uh, we can get control back in the House, and that perhaps we could get control back in the Senate. And at that point, we can stop some of this insanity that's trying to be uh, perpetuated on us by Nancy Pelosi and and uh, President Biden. Pro- President Biden has become as lefty as the most out there now. He really, really has. It's amazing uh, that, you know, he hasn't said, hey, look, we're not going to do uh, Washington, D.C. as a state. If if that's the case, let me just ask this of you, Robert. If they make Washington, D.C. a state, do we not have a problem? Because we're going to be at direct loggerheads with the Constitution of the United States because they said wherever the nation's capital is, you can't be a state. Yes, I think there's a constitutional issue with making D.C. a state, but more importantly and quite transparently, the only reason the Democrats want to make D.C. a state is because it will be a Democratic state, and therefore they'll get two more Democratic senators and one representative in the House. Of course, the senators are much more impactful simply as a matter of math. Uh, you know, two yes. adding to, to um, uh, what we have as an evenly split Senate would throw the Senate into the Democrats' hands for some time. Uh, it wouldn't have marginal <clears throat> at best effect in the House, if anything at all. Uh, And so that's why they're doing it. And I'm not interested in allowing the Democrats to gerrymand the system in contravention of the U.S. Constitution so that they can uh, bring about their leftist policies. No, thank you. I don't support it. This this takes me to particularly to what I have to say about the Democrats, and that is they don't give a damn about our Constitution. It's been very obvious now. They pa- they're trying to pass H.R. 1, which would uh, completely contravene what the Constitution says about elections. They don't care. They're trying to do the statehood thing with uh, Washington, D.C. It says in the Constitution that that can't be a state. And bottom line, they don't care. Uh, you know, if they cared, they would try to do it as a uh, constitutional amendment and pass it that way. But they're not interested in uh, following Constitution precedent as far as that's concerned uh, and, and changing it. They just want to ignore it. And that worries me. I mean, that that goes along with what Biden said, that there is no amendment in the Constitution that is absolute. That should that's going to as far as I'm concerned, that should send ice through everybody's veins. Now, I understand Chris is on the, on the line now. Chris, how are you this morning? Good morning, Dave. I just got Good done with my 10 mile, my, my 10 mile run took me a little longer than usual. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You ran. If you ran 10 miles, you're calling from the back of an ambulance right now. <laughs> Mile is in quotations. That's what Chris calls the distance from his bed to the freezer where the ice cream is kept. (laughs) (laughs) Only Briar's ice cream, baby. Only Briar's. Run the quote ten miles. You know, let me jump in here because I want to go back to what I just said. 
everybody should be completely turned off, at least that are, you know, uh, constitutionalists in this country, people who believe that the rule of law is found in our Constitution, should be totally blown away by that the uh, Democrats are just trying to pass completely unconstitutional laws. I mean, goes, I mean, the Constitution is very clear about elections. They don't care. It's very clear about the District of Columbia. They don't care because you got a president who says things like there's no amendment to the Constitution that's absolute. That worries me. Well, Dave, part of the problem is the philosophy of most liberals today. I don't even say leftists. It's really most liberals, which is a bigger group. Most liberals believe in this notion called, bear with me, Dave, called living constitution. Meaning, when you read the words on the page of that document, those words don't necessarily mean what you think they mean when you understand basic English. They mean... Uh What I feel they mean. They mean what reflects the desires of society. Well, uh, that's gobbledygook. That's make-believe. But they really believe that. And therefore, the Constitution is not a binding, is not a restricting document, which is what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be a document that restricts the activities of the government, therefore leaving freedoms in the hands of people. They say, no, no, no. It's a document that allows us to do what we think is good. Well, that's, frankly, a communistic idea, right? When those in power say, we're doing for you what we know better than you do, what's good for you. By the way, every time you hear some person in power in any context saying, well, what I'm doing is not good for me. It's good for you. They're really saying exactly the opposite. I'm doing what's good for me because what's good for me is good for you. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Some Maybe. all pigs are created <laughs> equal. Some pigs are just a little bit more equal. Remember that. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of, uh, you know, animal farm for everybody this morning here on the Dave Ellswick show. Chris, is that is that not why? You worry about the Democrats as well, is that they don't want to follow the Constitution. They just want to make it up as they go along. Absolutely. And one of the strongholds is Washington, D.C. It's one of the most extremely left-leaning areas in the nation. And it's one of the most reliable Democratic jurisdictions in the country. And um, I think what? 90% 90% of them voted Democrat in the last presidential election. 90% of Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, I, I, I want to think uh, that this Democratic uh, stronghold probably has one of the highest crime rates. I, I don't know that for sure, but it'd be easy to find out. It seems to, it seems to be a correlation there. These Democratic cities and high crime rates, and then they try to ban guns. So, yeah, you can see the right on the wall. You're looking at an area that the majority of people in some way work for the government. So their paycheck is uh, dependent upon uh, the government, which would tell me why 90 percent of them would vote for the government. (laughs) Absolutely. That's that's who signs the front of their check. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm concerned you know, about it. They, they, they're chipping away, uh, Dave. They're chipping away at the Constitution constantly. And when I say that, 
they're chipping away at our quality of life, and it happens very slowly, right? But it's going to have a drastic effect, a dramatic effect. Yeah, consider consider that this whole process began at the very beginning of the 20th century, all right? It took it started with uh, Wilson. I mean, that's where it's all started at, and it has uh, moved sometimes very slow, sometimes like molasses, but other times just like flowing water when you get into the FDR, when you get into LBJ, and I think we're in another one of those positions now with Joe Biden in the in the White House. You know, he's all about all these. Uh, uh, breaking of the constitutions. I mean, he's not speaking out against his own party, trying to pass HR one. He's not talking about uh, not giving statehood to Washington, uh, Washington D.C. He's behind all of this stuff and even more stuff than just that. Well, part of the problem, Dave, is, uh, and I don't want to be uh, sort of mean about it. But he's not fully aware of what's going on at all times. Sometimes he's aware, sometimes he's not aware. And, of course, when someone is in that position, they can be manipulated much more easily. And I think that's in part – and I'm not trying to make an apology for him, but it's clear. Uh, I recently watched some of the debates when Bork – on old video – when Bork was nominated for the Supreme Court. And as you know, Joe Biden was the chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time. And not that I agreed with him, but he was sharp as a tack. He was cogent and coherent and quick and – it's two different people now. And so he's got people around him that are far leftists and they in part are controlling him. I'm not saying entirely because I, I've seen him at times and he seems quite cogent. And then I've seen him at times and he's not. And that's of course how these things develop, right? It's not all or nothing. And so uh, in that context, you have someone who's more open to being manipulated and that's what's happening. He's being partially, not entirely, manipulated. That's not an excuse, but it is an explanation. Well, let me take that back in history, and, and then i got to get a break in here. Yeah. Let's look at Woodrow Wilson. When Wilson was in the White House, he had a stroke. I mean, right. read your history, and they believe that many of the bills that were uh, signed by the president at that time were not signed by the president, that they were signed instead by his wife, who was right. uh, saying, well, that's this is the way my husband would have seen it. And and then she would sign his name to bills. That's a historical fact. And they didn't do anything uh, to stop it back then. So uh, th- this is this is something that's been going on for a long time. Now, I will say this. There have been times where Democrats have stood against their own president uh, when, for instance, FDR wanted to pass the Supreme Court. A few Democrats stood up and they stopped that kind of stuff. And uh, then to their chagrin, a lot of uh, Democrats stood up against Lyndon Baines Johnson when uh, he suddenly uh, supposedly saw Jesus and tried to to, uh, pass uh, legislation uh, for civil rights. Well, he had fought against the tooth and nail when he was the head of the Senate, but now he feel, felt that he had to, to get behind it because John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. He was making, uh, be, had been made president. 
and now he wanted to get his legacy set up. It was the Republicans that pushed that through. It wasn't Johnson, and it definitely was not the Democratic Party. Okay, we'll be back in just a moment. We'll talk further about all of this. It all ties together. You just got to tie the dots together. You really do. Ten minutes till uh, seven. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach with us and Chris Corbett as well. We'll continue with our conversation in a moment. All right. We uh, are down to about six minutes remaining here uh, in this hour. And I I think that Robert and, and Chris, we've had a really good discussion about some things that need to happen. Uh, within the uh, uh, state Republican Party. I had a really nice sit-down with the state chairman uh, a couple of days back and uh, discussed some different things with her. I I won't share that discussion on the air other than to say uh, Janelle Fuller is definitely committed uh, to the Republican Party here in the state and definitely committed to the grassroots in this state because that's where – a lot of our problem now is lying as far as the state is concerned. And that's in, you know, the cities, the municipalities, uh, the quorum courts, uh, that type of stuff. We've got to get uh, in control of that as much as we have in control of the, of the, uh, the state house and the state Senate and the governorship. Uh, it's important that those small areas that we chip away at those and, and get uh, really good Republican thought and concerns brought to, to bear in those areas. Because as I've always said, guys, on the air, and I'll, I'll continue to say this, the best government you can affect is the government that is closest to you. The closest government you have, let's say you're in Conway, uh, if you're in the city limits, it's in the city council. That's where you have uh, the most uh, power is with those folks. They're going to be able to. They're going to pass laws and and fees and stuff that will have a direct impact on you very quickly. Where the state, it takes a little, little long, longer for it to you know the perk down to you. Or in the uh, the in Washington D.C., where it takes quite a while for those laws many times to get down to you. And then you got the quorum courts for the outlying areas. I mean. The Faulkner, or not the Faulkner County, but the uh, the Lone Oak uh, Forum Court, since I'm not uh, inside the uh, Cabot city limits, uh, it's important there as uh, as well. So uh, just know that getting in control in those areas and getting really good conservative uh, platform ideas uh, inserted there and, and uh, be followed is really, really important. Amen. Dave, it's top to bottom. Sometimes we focus too much on those top positions, what we call the constitutional positions, meaning the governor, the lieutenant governor, the attorney general. We've got a slate now of strong conservatives for the next election for those constitutional provision um, offices, rather. Of course, that's Sarah, uh, Tim Griffin uh, and uh, Jason Rapert. 
but what we need to focus on now uh, is making a conservative legislature out of what is now merely a Republican Republican legislature. We talked uh, in an earlier segment today, as you know, about uh, the need to primary some of these non-conservative Republicans like Sturch, like Eads, like English, uh, because I'm tired uh, of the fact that, for example, but it's just an example, a critical one, mind you, that we can't even get out of the Senate Education Committee the Dave Ellswick free speech uh, bill part two, which is run by Dan Sullivan. Look, Dave, uh, you are a big voice in this state and you should be. And if there is a bill that relates to you that you've endorsed being pushed or introduced by a conservative senator, that should be enough. And the fact that not only was it not enough, that you had the direct opposition uh, to that bill by Sturch, Eads, and English. They were carrying the water for the Democrats. They were in exactly the same uh, position as Joyce Elliott was on that same committee. They voted exactly the same way that Joyce Elliott did. I like Joyce Elliott. She's a nice person. But I don't vote with her 99.9% of the time. So if you have a Republican voting with her, then you better ask yourself, is that person a conservative? And almost invariably, the answer is no. And that's the case here. Yeah, and, and I, I agree with what, what you just said. Uh, we're just about out of this hour. Uh, when we come back, uh, let's get some uh, news at the top of the hour, find out what's happening around the world. We'll get you some traffic. We'll get you some weather, things of that nature. And then uh, when we all come back and convene, let's talk about that Robbie, uh, that Roby Brock article, the interview that he did with the governor and some things that the governor had to say in that article. And let's discuss it a little bit. We've still got another half hour with the guys. We'll do that when we come back from uh, the news. Don't forget, at 735, Matt Smith should be joining us from Branson. But if he's not, I'm still going to talk about the same thing. And that is, I'm going to talk about the, the, the movie that is opening today. And we'll start the show off a little bit different at 735. I'll be playing a theme song from a movie for you that should bring back some childhood memories here on the Dave Ellswick Show. More coming up in just a moment. The Dave Ellswick Show, as uh, trying to get back to my phone here, and I made it. Okay, I'm doing I'm do, I'm doing several things at once now. So if I seem like guys that I'm a little bit uh, 
you know, away from you, that it's because I'm trying to enter in like 9,000 numbers into the Comrex right now. So uh, if, if, if you ask something of me and you don't hear an immediate answer, just carry on, okay? We'll do it. All right, so Robert is here. Robert is a, of course, Robert Steinbach is a law professor over at uh, the Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of, of the university or the School of Law. And Chris Corbett is here as well, and uh, he joins us uh, by phone in, in, in Conway. want to welcome everybody to the show. Heidi, I'm I'm working on my end as well with the Comrex, just so you know. That's uh, that's not for you, the listener. That's for letting Heidi know what's going on on my end so that she knows what's happening. But anyway, bottom line is, uh, let's talk a little bit about Roby Brock's article uh, that was in Talk Business and Politics uh, dealing with the governor. Did you all both have an opportunity to peruse that article now before we came back? Yes, yes. indeed. Okay, so the the first surprise in the article is in the very first paragraph uh, where it says that the governor hasn't announced for the presidency yet, but he's raising his profile. And uh, is that what we're seeing, do you believe, uh, from the governor right now? And I'll get, uh, get both of you to answer this. Is that why uh, he, uh, you know, he, he struck down basically... Uh, you know, the hate crime legislation and then, you know, had overridden the veto, overridden. Is that why uh, that he's not spoke out in favor of, uh, you know, Stubblefield's bill uh, dealing uh, with uh, our our state sovereignty? Uh, that, uh, that would be SB 298, I believe. Do you think that that's why he's backed off on some of those issues? and uh, either vetoed or sounds like he's going to let them become law without his signature? Is he is he trying to get himself set up to be able to lead the Governor's Association and to, um, you know, strengthen his national uh, uh, look uh, so people look at him and say, well, he seems to be presidential? What do you think? Start with you, Robert. We had talked, Dave, last show, I think, about why we were trying to figure out what the governor was trying to do with some of his more recent moves. And the question was, is he running for something? What is what is he thinking? Tucker Carlson suggested that he was angling for a position on the Walmart board. Uh, this new article suggests uh, political further political aspirations, national political aspirations, whatever the case may be. It's uh, unfortunate some of the positions that the governor has taken. And if you look in that article itself, uh, he says, well, I don't think Trump is the head of the Republican Party. He's nothing of the sort, effectively, is what the governor says. Well, you know, you don't have to like Trump. No, we just lost Robert. All right. So sounds like we did. We'll we'll get him back. What what's your thing? Uh, your your thoughts about this, uh, Chris? Well, Do you it, think that the governor's truly like, looking? Yeah, it looks like he's trying to angle for something, and he's definitely uh, distancing himself from from Trump. 
Uh, he, he was quoted saying that he wasn't going to support him in 2024. And um, he's got, he definitely angling for something, especially with this uh, with being chairman of the, the National Governors Association. That was something Clinton did back in the day, traveling all over the country when he was governor of Arkansas, setting up for a, a run for presidency in the 1998 or his 88 run. And then he, you know, waited till 1992 because of, oh, Gary Hart got busted with some ladies on a ship. So, yeah, um, yeah you remember that? So, yeah, he was doing the, the national thing and setting up some sort of national ideology uh, pack. So his is going to be called America Strong and Free. We've all, you know, we've, we've talked about before, what do we think? Governor Hutchinson is going to do after this when he turns out of the governor's seat. Uh, was it is it Senate? Um, where is he going? Where is he going to go? So yeah, he's setting up for something because we didn't, we couldn't really get a handle on why he had vetoed the things that he had done. And, and I think, man, Tucker Carlson kind of lit him up on uh, some hard questions on those two videos. Uh, uh, that whole chemical about, castration thing hurt the governor. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, it did. Big time, big time. Well, and chemical Dr. castration Dr. often does hurt. Anyway, the point <laughs> is, <laughs> it depends what chemicals you're using, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm sorry I lost you guys there. I'm, at, I, I'm such a big mouth, I managed to hang up on myself. <laughs> well, go ahead and finish, finish your thoughts, because Chris brought something up interesting just in that last little segment when he, he said, does. this is how... This is how Clinton got himself uh, noticed, is that he became the head of the Governor's Association and so was traveling all over the United States talking about, you know, what he was seeing, what he thought, and, you know, parlayed that into a legitimate run. And then because Gary Hart got busted, the nomination uh, from the Democrats and then winning the election because Ross Perot got involved in it, took enough votes away from Bush to get Clinton elected. 100%. Uh, look, he says in the article uh, that the, the uh, interviewer says, do you think Trump is the de facto head of the Republican Party? And the governor says in response, quote, I wouldn't consider him that at all. You know, that's, that's a kind of overstatement that demonstrates that either you're angling for something or you're not being uh, completely straight in your statements. Because you wouldn't consider the president of the United States the head of his party. Really? Really? It's one thing to say, well, uh, I think he might be the head. Other people are uh, angling for the head, and we'll see what happens. I wouldn't consider him at all the head of the party. Really? Isn't that actually what you would – go ahead. Yeah, let's consider something. He uh, he lost re-election by less than 1%. And he got 70, 75 million votes. So this is a popular candidate. Candidate, yeah. He's still a very strong candidate. And, uh, you know, everybody's asking him, will you come out and and show up when I'm running for re-election? And he's saying yes. I mean, he made like, he made a statement to Hannity uh, if it's they need uh, just need me to, to say in the news that I support this candidate or if they want me to come and do a rally, we can talk about that. But, uh, you know, he's he's gearing up for 22 right now.
he's gearing up for 22. He understands 22 is as important as maybe not more important than 24. It's more important, actually. It's more important. So we we need to take back the House and the Senate. I think both are viable uh, this 2022. And so I think it's more important because we have to put the brakes on this leftist agenda from the Biden administration. It's a nightmare what's going on, and we need to be vigilant. And that's what we're talking about. We talk about the state level. We need to make sure we have conservatives in the state legislature. We need to make sure that we take back the House and the Senate. French Hill, of course, is regularly on your show. He talked about how important that is. And so we have a bunch of good conservatives in Arkansas, and we have some uh, phony conservatives, and we need to push forward uh, along with Conduit, along with other groups, along with um, Jerry Cox's group, along with what Elizabeth is doing for the show in terms of scorecards to make sure every Dave Ellswick listener knows where the conservatives are, who the conservatives are, and who ain't. Yeah. (laughs) I just just got, well, everybody's got to understand that there's a lot to be lost here. I mean, there is a lot that can be lost here in, in, in our country if the Democrats stay in control in the, in the House or the Senate. And that's where the state comes involved at, because the fight now moves to the states, what the states pass in law and what they're willing to fight in the courts about. And that is really important. I mean, I'm surprised we're not hearing, you know, uh, state's attorney generals talking about H.R. 1 and bringing, uh, you know, um, lawsuits against it because it's totally, completely unconstitutional. By any reading of the, you know, what do you think is a living document, a dead document written in Chinese or something, the bottom line is, it lays out all of the, the requirements for election, and it says it's to the state. It is not to the federal government. So I would think you, you can win that battle uh, wholeheartedly uh, in front of the Supreme Court. But, of course, they're hoping to push it hard enough, get it passed, push it hard enough uh, that they can allow these states to, to make some changes before the next election. And they don't care what the court might say after the election. You understand what I'm saying here? Of course. Dave, despots and bureaucrats are not concerned with constitutional principles and limited government. They are concerned with enhancing their own power for their own self-aggrandizement, for their own ego. Uh, and, and despots believe that the world is better off when they are in control. Of course, fascism <laughs> and communism, in many respects, has an element of efficiency that democracy doesn't because, God forbid, and I say this tongue-in-cheek, right, God forbid, bid that despots and bureaucrats actually have to communicate with the public, with uh, engaging in, in democracy. That takes time and that takes effort. And what's more efficient is being a despot and just barking out orders. But efficient at what? Efficient at achieving some despotic goal, some bureaucratic goal, not more efficient at democracy, which is sort of uh, oxymoronically inherently inefficient. Well, I am for that inefficiency because I'm for the people and I'm for the voices of the people. Well, I'm like Jefferson. I, I support the messiness of freedom, 
over the boot right. on my throat of uh, slavery. So let's take a break here, and then we'll come back and finish up our conversation for this Friday. Chris, let you chime in about this uh, particular subject as well when we come back here on the Dave Ellsworth Show. All right, so let's get back to finishing up that conversation about how important the state is now, uh, uh, Chris. And I would think that that's where the battle has moved to because we don't have uh, control of both houses. I mean, we got more control in the Senate than we do in the House, and the House is is razor thin, but uh, Pelosi has been able to uh, hold everybody lockstep. It amazes me that people uh, evidently don't have any principles whatsoever and that they will vote against uh, the very Constitution that they take an oath to serve. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be determined now a lot of this stuff. For instance, H.R. 1, if it does get passed, I think the equity law and a a lot of different things like that, it's going to be fought now in the court system. And that's why these AGs are so important. And that's why the upcoming uh, attorney general uh, uh, fight is going to be uh, so important as well. And who's in there and and representing uh, Arkansas. Do you agree with that? Oh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, a common uh, ploy that you, that everybody, your, all your listeners should recognize is the Democrats will deploy an outrageous idea in order to move, shift the dial a little bit more to the left, right? Let's pack the Supreme Court. These are old strategies that have tried to be used in the past. But what happens is it waters down our current system, and it, and it gets people thinking, oh, maybe we need to change. And what essentially um, they're doing is saying, they're saying, I know more than you. You should listen to me. And, yeah, give up some of your freedom in the meantime so you can be overregulated. But, what they, but it doesn't come off like that. But they propose these outrageous leftist ideas, like packing the Supreme Court, making a state out of Washington, D.C., it's all in an effort to promote their agenda, which is, you need me. You need me to provide you security. Aren't you afraid of what's out there? And so, yeah, that's what's going on. And um, those those you know, characteristics. Go ahead. Let me let me, let me let me bring. I'm sorry. Let me bring let me bring you in real quickly here, Robert. If yeah. by chance they do make. D.C. a state, the Constitution is very clear that wherever the capital of the United States is cannot be a state. Uh, and, and, yes. and if that's the case, what happens? Do we have to pick a new area to have as a nation's capital? Well, I think what will happen is there would be a challenge that would go to the Supreme Court, and then the Supreme Court would have to decide that issue, but the Supreme Court tends to defer on these issues. They tend to call them political issues. So I don't know what the ultimate outcome would be. And if if I may, Dave, uh, can I do a quick shout-out to a buddy of mine? Oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. The name of, thank you so much. Robert Dooms. Uh, I've been looking when my mother passed, you know, we talked a lot about that Um, before she did. She she wanted to buy me a nice watch. Uh, And so I finally followed up on that and and in her name and her memory. And for my pleasure, I bought myself a nice watch. And this fellow who's a friend, Robert Dooms, 
uh, as is a salesman, but in the in the best way. He doesn't push anything on you, and he really just helped me out there at Sissy's Log Cabin. And I just I, I I'm so thankful for him. And it's always nice when something good happens in Arkansas. And, and so I want to give out a, a shout out to my new buddy Robert Dooms uh, at Sissy's for really helping me out. And I'm he's now I'm now a lifelong customer. I'll tell you that right now. All right. Very good. That's uh, that's Thank very you. very cool. I'm I'm going to buy a watch for Christmas. Are you ready for this, uh, Chris? I'm yeah. I'm going to buy it from Verizon. I'm going to buy one of the, uh, uh, you know, kind of phone watches the that Fitbit? they got out there. The Fitbit? Yeah. Is it a Fitbit? Yeah. <laughs> I, no, I don't. I don't know if it's a Fitbit. I uh, it, it 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 yeah. it's got a large face on it. Uh, it will keep. My blood pressure, it will keep my sugar yep. uh, as well. Right. So um, I'm kind of interested in being, you know, instead of being stuck Dave, every time I got to take a sugar to get one of those. Gonna, yeah. That's right. We're going to jack that in directly to your primary care physician. So he's going to know when your sugar spikes and your and your sugar drops low, when your, high, when your blood pressure gets high on the uh, Democrats trying to spend all of our money out there. <laughs> he's going to know what's going on, man. Well, you know, you know, you're talking about you know when they try to taxes and they haven't really come out with what they're going to do, except that they've suggested what they would like to do. And taxes worry me. I mean, I'll be honest, but when when Biden says that they're you know the amendments to the Constitution are not absolute, that worries me far more than money. I got to tell you that real that's the kind of statement that's made by somebody who wants to be commissar and not president. That's right. That's right. Uh-huh. We know what's happening that's right scary. now in the state of Arkansas. Dave, we, we've got a – in the state of Arkansas, we're looking at a $600 million budget surplus. And um, they only want to reduce – they're talking about reducing the top income rate from 5.9 to 5.7. We have a $600 million Budget surplus in the state of Arkansas. How about give some of that money back to the people? Oh wait, dude, they wouldn't. They didn't even want to give back sixty thousand dollars. You expect them to give exactly. back six hundred million? Exactly. Yeah, oh, the budget the fight that they put up to return sixty thousand dollars total. Not sixty thousand dollars per person. Sixty thousand dollars total. They spent more money fighting returning that money. Than the cost of that money. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's it's crazy. That's why we talk about getting good conservative Republicans in right. office that are wanting limited and smaller government. Guys, we're out of time. I appreciate you being with me again this Friday. Hopefully next week I'll have all of our equipment working. And uh, it'll sound a little bit better on the air, and we'll be able to hear each other a little bit better. But I do appreciate you giving us the time. Uh, you guys don't get any kind of money in return. It, all you want to do is get out and 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 uh, you know put forth the ideas uh, that make Republicanism the way uh, to go here in the state of uh, Arkansas. Thanks a lot, guys. I'll let you go. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Let everybody Thank you, know that coming up uh, in the next half hour, we should be hearing from Matt Smith. He's in Branson. So if he doesn't call, he doesn't call. But he said last night he was going to try to call. So uh, I'm expecting to hear from him. And you'll hear an old theme song to start off the next half hour. 
All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick Show, final half hour. Uh, Matt has not uh, contacted us yet, so he may or may not be with us in this uh, last hour. But I'll let you know, let's hear some music here. And this is the big movie that's opening tonight all across the uh, VIP cinemas. That's what's opening at the theaters this weekend. That's going to be your big movie that's going to be out there. It's also streaming on HBO Max as well. Uh, But it's, you know, it's going to be one of those movies that you want to to see uh, on the big screen, I would think. Uh, It is rated R. Let me warn everybody about that. It is uh, rated R. Uh, It is uh, rated R for excessive gore. If you know anything about the game, which this movie is based upon, uh, it was pretty gory where they they would be uh, fighting and uh, at times reach in and literally pull the spine out of somebody. So uh, it it caused a lot of uh, problems with that uh, when it was a game. A lot of of, uh, parents weren't real happy with some of the gore, but uh, it became a huge, huge, uh, big seller. There's been several... Um, movies uh, based upon this game system. Uh, one, uh, only one other of the movies was rated R. Uh, this is the second one, and again, it's because of excessive gore. As far as you know, sex and nudity and all that. Very, very. If there's any, it's going to be very, very little. Might maybe showing somebody's rear end or something, but nothing about you know, no frontal nudity and things of that nature. It'd be interesting to see how it does at the uh, box office. Uh, it, because this uh, particular uh, movie uh, is considered a big movie for America because it was such a big game in America. Although it was the game was loved uh, across the the oceans as well, but um, they're going to be and more movie theaters are open. Uh, they think it will open very strongly and uh, and and go on. I, I read an article uh, yesterday about uh, Quiet Place 2, and uh, that's going to be opening towards the end of this month. And one thing that they're saying about it is that they believe that it will have as big of a box office as the original did. And that's always saying something. Sequels uh, tend to do less business than the uh, original. Uh, there, of course, have been others that have uh, done better uh, than the original. Some of the uh, movies from, uh, you know, Friday the 13th did better later on, like when you got into the third when uh, Jason started wearing the hockey mask and things of that nature. Michael Myers, some of, uh, you know, the Halloween franchise, uh, the second one did very, very well at the box office as well. And then the the return on investments on the the movie went down until the last one two years ago uh, when they rebooted the uh, uh, the movie and the franchise did huge box office and the new one that will come out later this year called Halloween Kills is expected to do 
huge box office. A couple of movies to watch uh, this year uh, on the, the big screen and see how they do, uh, because they've been moving this movie around so often, uh, and that is ho- uh, not ho- Halloween, but uh, Top Gun 2 that's going to be coming out, and uh, features, of course, Tom Cruise is in it. Uh, Val Kilmer from the original movie is going to be in it. And it's something that everybody uh, is looking forward to. But, uh, you know, when's it going to show? It's it's looking like it's going to be a late November release now, is from what I'm able to ascertain uh, from all the different writing that's out there on the Internet uh, about movies. And then the other one is, uh, you know, no Time to Die, which is a new Bond movie, which is supposed to be coming out as well. They've they've taken a few movies that were supposed to come out this year, and they've even pushed them back further uh, to 22. Uh, Mortibus is one of those uh, with uh, uh, Jerry Leto. I, I think that that's going to do very well at the box office as well. going to be interesting to see is when we start talking about, you know, Marvel and DC and whatnot, uh, how will, uh, you know, Suicide Squad do? Uh, the first one did all right. Uh, this is kind of a, a reboot on the second one. Uh, the squad has changed somewhat. Uh, you're not going to see Will Smith in the second the second one. So it would be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, although I think a lot of people tune into the Suicide Squad because of Robbie who, uh, you know, uh, in her, her part in those, uh, those movies. So uh, that's one that you'll be wanting to, to watch out for as well. I think it will do good at the box office. But, uh, you know, the big one today is going to be, uh, uh, you know, Mortal Kombat. A lot of people are going to be watching it. They'll be watching uh, how well it does at the theater, but they'll also be watching the streaming numbers. Uh, on HBO as as well, so we'll be wanting to see what they have to you know say about about it as far as that's concerned. All right, let me take a break real quick, get that in for you, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up uh, this edition of the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's uh, let's finish it up here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick Show for you, uh, talking about uh, Mortal Kombat. And I, I think it's funny. I've been checking out the critics and what they have been saying about this motion picture. And here's basically, I'll just give you a, a synopsis of what they're saying. They, they, the people, even in their negative critical comments, are saying that uh, the fight sequences and faithfulness to the game is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. But the criticism is for the screenplay. Now, let me just let me share my thoughts on that. Anybody who's going to go see a Mortal Kombat game uh, or a Mortal Kombat movie is not worried about the screenplay. <laughs> Nobody was worried about the screenplay when you played the game. What you were interested in was the action of the game. On this movie, you're going to be wondering what's the action on the movie. This movie is going to skew hugely male, hugely male. There will be females that will go to it. I mean, there's look, 
we all know females play games. We know that females played Mortal Kombat, so they'll go see the movie as well, or their boyfriend or their husband's going to drag them to the movies with them. But for the most part, this is going to be a movie that's going to be male-dominated. As far as your children go, uh, I think, you you know, you're looking at uh, an R rating because of of the seriousness of the gore involved. One of the actors, the name... Uh, eludes me right now. It may have been the guy who's playing Johnny. Uh, I think playing Cole Young, who everybody thinks is going to end up being Johnny. Uh, Louis Tan uh, said that there were days that he went to work and there was so much artificial blood. Now, we're not talking about real blood. We're artificial blood that, uh, you know, his stomach was rolling a little bit. Uh, there, there's going to be the loss of, of limbs and all kinds of stuff in this movie. So you've got to, as a parent, uh, make a call about, you know, is your child ready to see that kind of violence? It's, it's really, I, you know, I wouldn't take a young kid to see this movie. Uh, I get, I can get it at home. I got HBO max. I'm not gonna let my grandson watch it. I'll watch it later. Uh, and uh, see it by myself. Uh, if Linda wants to watch it, she'll watch it as well. But I'm not going to sit and watch uh, uh, this uh, you know, the the movie on the, the the on the television that's going to have that type of, uh, of of violence in it with my four year old grandson. I, I hope that you know you'll take the time out uh, to decide that maybe that's not right for. Uh, you know, a young kid. I don't even know if it's right uh, for a uh, a child um, that's uh, you know early preteen or teen. Again, it is rated R. It is rated R for a reason. I just want you to. I'm, I'm being honest with you here. Uh, you you got to make up your mind if that's the kind of movie you want to see or you don't want to see because there's other movies out there that might be better for, you know, grandchildren. I mean, Tom and Jerry's still out there. Wonder Woman's still out there. There's a a lot of movies that are out there that uh, are more age appropriate uh, for uh, young, young children uh, that uh, you might want to take your kids uh, to see. I think even you can still see the crudes in some area. And I love the crudes. I mean, I like movies, uh, from A to Z. I, I like family movies. I like movies that are action movies. I like uh, dramas. I like all kinds of movies. I like a lot of classic movies, as you kn- know. Speaking of classics, our next classic, second Tuesday uh, in May, and we're going to show the Oliver Stone movie, Platoon, which is a great war movie, but don't get your history about the Vietnam War from Platoon. Uh, a lot of People who served in Vietnam uh, say it's just a bunch of hokum uh, as far as they're trying to push uh, what people uh, really were doing in in Vietnam. Uh, it's, if you want to see a movie that probably is more indicative of, of that war, uh, not get your not again, don't get your history for movies. That's a dangerous president to set. And then say, well, I believe this happened back then because I saw this movie like The Patriot. 
you know, and that's the way the Revolutionary War was. No, wasn't at all. I mean, uh, there were some underwriting themes that were presented uh, that happened during the Revolutionary War. But as a history lesson, uh, it's not. There's a lot of liberties taken with history uh, when you're watching uh, uh, movies. But I was just going to tell you a couple of movies uh, dealing with Vietnam. Uh, We were soldiers. We were young and we were soldiers. Uh, Mel Gibson is a great one. Uh, That one dealing with... uh, you know, the air cav and their first, their first in, uh, contact with the North Vietnamese army, the regulars. Uh, those were the guys for a way of explaining it, running around in black pajamas. Uh, they weren't just uh, the people's uh, army. It, this was uh, the, the hardcore uh, people who had been in battle and things of that nature and were trained well. Uh, and uh, it, that's a great movie to watch and, and to take in because it shows the effect of the war on the men on the ground and on the, uh, the wives uh, who are back uh, at home. Uh, my favorite Vietnam War, and you'll have to look for this, called Hamburger Hill. I think it's one of the best uh, movies shown uh, about Vietnam, and it's all about taking Hill. There's another great war movie, uh, Pork Chop Hill, that talks about the Korean War that shows uh, the brutality of that war and what they were facing with the cold temperatures and the Chinese army and all the rest uh, during Korea. But, uh, you know, Hamburger Hill, uh, you have a a group of of, uh, fighting men trying to win a hill that the military said was important. And then when they will, uh, they uh, they won it, uh, they left and let the Vietnamese take it over based on a true book uh, written by a guy that was there uh, when it happened. So Hamburger Hill is one that you can you should look into and, and watch. I, I really in, enjoyed that movie. One of my favorite scenes in that is at the very end of the movie. And uh, it's not a. Uh, a newsman from, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, or whatever. Uh, it's a, a newsman with a camera crew from uh, uh, Armed Forces uh, Radio and Television asking these guys questions as they're walking off the hill talk, and talking about uh, what, was the, what was the fighting like, what was this, what was that, and uh, they won't even answer him. And the reason being is that most people tell you who've ever fought uh, and been in a situation they don't want to talk about what they took in on the battlefield. Uh, it, what happens on the battlefield is, is one of the worst things that you can ever, ever imagine. Imagine the worst thing you can and then take it up a couple of notches. Uh, it's, it's not somewhere that if you've ever been at, that you want to really go back. That's why I have, I have so much, uh, you know, uh, respect for the men and, and women who have been in some of the major wars that we've had. Uh, when you're talking about World War II, World War One, Korea, Vietnam, uh, of course, even over in the uh, the sandbox over there uh, in uh, Iraq, and uh, you know, I'm, I, I have nothing but the utmost respect because. They put themselves between the bullet and you. 
they want to fight it over there. They don't want to fight it on uh, on our territory, so to speak. And um, every time you see a, a, a fighting man or woman, especially a combat veteran, uh, you should not only shake their hands, but if you see them at a restaurant, you should buy their meal for them, and you should offer them a very, very sincere thank you. Absolutely, you should do that, um, just so you know. If you've not been there, thank God you haven't. I'm glad you haven't. But if you have, you know exactly what I'm talking about right now. Some of you still have, uh, you know, the bad dreams and whatnot. My son still has bad dreams from Afghanistan and what uh, what occurred over there. And uh, it's something that will follow you for the rest of your life. Uh, It did for men and women who fought in World War II. I remember my father. uh, I would be asleep, and he would cry out in in his sleep. And it was because he was having uh, uh, dreams. Most of his dreams were about the Battle of the Bulge, which he fought in. And uh, a lot of men lost their lives just in that one battle uh, against the Panzer. Uh, uh, groups uh, of that, that Hitler had and, and all the the uh, infantry and, and artillery that he used to try to break through uh, the Allied lines. So anyway, uh, I'm just taking a moment here to salute uh, the com- You know, all people who serve deserve your respect. But the men and women who have been on the tip of the spear, who've been in the battle, who have been in the arena where blood is being being spilt deserve all of your respect, all of it, because they did exactly what your country sent them to do. They were sent there to protect us, and they they did it. So anyway, that's something to keep in to keep in mind. All right, let me talk about a little bit about what's going to be coming up uh, next week here on the Dave Ellswick Show um, Monday. Uh, the power panel will be in, and uh, we will be talking with Aker as well. Aker uh, is from uh, the University of uh, Central Arkansas, a great think tank and uh, a conservative uh, economic think tank. They're going to come in and go over what occurred in the uh, uh, the session and uh, their their feel for what was uh, you know happened during the session. I want to talk to them about that. Uh, I think that they will think missed opportunities, as they normally say, uh, as far as economic uh, uh, changes go. I mean, it's just like they were talking a moment ago at the end of time with Robert and uh, with Chris that they had $600 million in reserve. Uh, There's things that can be done with that $600 million that were not done. And we, we need more uh, conservative Republicans that will get in there and give a smaller government. That's what we want to see them do. All right, that wraps it up for me. I'll see you at 6 a.m. on Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Join us there. Don't miss it. It'll be a lot of interesting information that you need to know about what your legislature what your governor is doing here in the state of Arkansas. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you on Monday.